Hello. Hello. How's it going? Going good, brother. Uh, waiting for uh, the guest to hop in here. Nice. Where's Dork at? Dark, he's going to be running uh, a little bit behind. He's got a couple of things that he has to take care of. Yo. Is this Mr. Grimm that just hopped on? Hey, what's up, guys? What's up? Oh, not a lot. Not How's it going? Brother? What Hanging is in. up? What, what, uh, what's, uh, what's, what's grand? What's grand out there? Uh, not a whole lot. I mean, depends on your perspective, I guess. Oh, I, nothing like fun, new, exciting. No, just trying to go day by day. Oh, okay. Yeah, I hear you. So, Mr. Grimm, can you give us a little uh, insight on uh, your background and uh, some of the things uh, you could fill us in on, and we can get started from there? I'd say. Yeah, I mean, uh, do we have everybody already? We're ready to roll. No, Dark we got... is going to be running a little bit behind. Okay. Dark's fucking late. Sweet. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, uh, so I'm uh, from the Midwest, uh, pretty regular guy. I uh, saw 9-11 when I was in grade school, Twin Towers, and decided right then that I was going to go, you know, save America and fight for freedom by killing poor people in faraway places. And uh, wanted to join the Marine Corps, turned 18, I did that, and ended up doing a couple years in Afghanistan and that was kind of a big turning point for me because you know what you see on the news and what they talk about on the tv is not at all what you run into the reality in front of you and did a couple of deployments and I came back and I thought man you know if they lied about that what else are they lying about so I had questions that's uh uh, do you think I mean, that's got to be like what a lot of people go through is like the the experience on the ground and the discrepancy between what their their thought was and what they see, right? Yeah, and that's why it breaks my heart. You know, they do the whole 23 push-ups every day for all the veterans every day that kill themselves, and it's like, fuck, that's, that's the cream of the crop, the best of America that we're losing at all times. You know, those are the guys that are going to go out there and the movers and shakers that will actually have an effect in their communities – and we could use them. We sure could use them. Yeah, it's a waste. It's a waste, right? I mean, man. Uh, I mean, I, I, it's a sacrifice, I guess, of some kind, but it's certainly not for the way that uh, that they portray it, you know? First of all, Dugan, before I even start running my trap about myself and shit, I just want to say it's an honor to, to be on here with you guys and to talk to you guys. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, thanks for coming. We appreciate on. it, man. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just a regular guy, Midwest, you know, a small-town kid. Uh, dad was a hard worker, big family, a lot of mouths to feed, so didn't really have a lot. But, yeah, you know, I ran into that experience that a lot of guys do. You know, you, you watch CNN and, you know, terrorism is threatening your freedom, and so you got to go kill people that live in mud huts a thousand miles away. So, What was it like for you? What was it like for you when you saw 9-11 happen? How old did you say you were? Do you remember? Uh, so I was in second grade and, uh, it was my, my dad like was so hardcore that he came and ripped all his kids out of school that day. Nice. And, you know, he was like, we're under attack, you know, fucking. Yeah. It's cause he cares. He cares, man. Yeah. Oh, and, and 
and that's the thing, you know, like when I sit here and beat myself up and I'm like, oh, you know, the world's rigged, this shit's all sucks, but I kick myself in the ass because I'm like, man, if you're alive today, you had an ancestor that fought saber-toothed tigers with a fucking spear. And, you know, you've got generations <laughs> that have fought hard for you to be here. So you, you got to just keep going, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I got – did a couple years in Afghanistan, 2011-2012, Helmand Province and shit. And, and I was looking around at these people, you know, and I'm like, man, I try to always see things from the other perspective. And, you know, just because of my background and stuff, I don't really – waste time on but and so I, I was like man what would i do if a chinese tank division was rolling through my hometown well of course i'd be up in a tree with an rpg like fuck yeah why not so why can i get mad at these kids for doing the same right and that's has started to make me think like well who so the a wise man once told me the simplest question you can ever ask is who benefits you know if something's happening you don't really know why or what's going on just ask who's benefiting from this and that's probably the guy doing it Little Afghanis yep. that live in mud huts and farm fucking goats and shit are not benefiting by being bombed by aircraft carriers 100 miles off their coast. That's not doing any good for them. So they probably didn't start that fight. Yeah. Um, but I got back to the States, you know, and I had a lot of questions. Like I said, you know, if they lied about that, what else are they lying about? And who's really to blame for this and who caused this? And that's a whole can of worms that you guys know enough oh, about. Yeah. And oh, yeah. so, I, you know, I had the GI Bill. And I was like, well, you know, I got half the dudes I knew that got out of the Marine Corps either went into being fucking total knuckleheads or making something themselves. I wanted to be in the, the latter half. So I went to school for criminal justice slash Homeland Security. And holy shit. Nice. Uh, after <laughs> a year, I dropped the Homeland Security major because that was scary. You couldn't do really the scary. communism. Couldn't well, the brainwashing, the brainwashing is real. But what's terrifying is learning the inner workings of the Department Department of Homeland Security and, like, how they operate and who they're targeting. And that's what I was being taught. Uh, are they, were they in a domestic model then? Yes, domestic, yes. Yeah. yeah, that's what's crazy about it. Like, people don't understand. So they – like, for people that are unaware, you know, unfortunately, people kind of have a mind of, uh, you know, like an elephant – in terms of uh, they just don't, they just can't see, you know, past five minutes. So obviously DHS came around after that left. And, yes. uh, and it comes after, it comes out of uh, like uh, TSA that gets set up by uh, Michael Sheridoff. Michael Sheridoff is, uh, he was really big in the 9-11 transition and then Bush, Bush Jr.'s administration, really big. Uh, they just kind of rolled out the car reform. He just did, you know, he had like carte blanche to the government to uh, restructure it. And he's he's probably, it's difficult to tell because uh, of how secretive the whole thing is and how much fluff is everywhere. But it, it, it's it's safe to say that he's probably, he's probably the primary author of the Patriot Act. And uh, yeah, yeah, he, he he came through. He came through and set up all that preliminary stuff, which then transitioned into DHS. It's all for it's all for domestic, you know. It's just well, a, and the thing is, is like if you understand what the DHS is, then it's the most terrifying fucking thing you've ever understood. Yeah. Um, the department. So, like, the branches of the military are forbidden 
you know, they're verboten from operating on U.S. soil, you know, unless there's like some fucking exigent circumstances. The Department of Homeland Security exclusively operates on U.S. soil. And the resources that they have are equal to the Marine Corps, the Army, you know. Uh, and since the DHS came along, like, you know, they put the Coast Guard under the DHS. They uh, took all the waterways in America and put them under the DHS. They've centralized, and they do it through funding, where all of the little small-town Mayberry police departments and county sheriff's offices that used to be decentralized and used to just be, you know, hey, whoever you are local to be your local fucking sheriff dickweed, now it's all centralized through the DHS because of funding and grants that they get, and they have to be compliant and, you know, abiding by guidelines to get these massive funding packages. That's, I mean, small town, that's small town county sheriff's offices... About. They're, they're getting armored vehicles in the smallest of towns and counties. They've got red flag laws where, you know, if, if you're this person or the other speaks against, you know, something that they don't like on social media, they're going to red flag them, red flag law. You've already mentioned, excuse me, the Patriot Act. And it's insane. Like, well, I'll tell you, so, in my little area, we got MRAPs, uh, you know, armored personnel carriers. Uh, it, it's it's crazy. Oh, I hate it. I, look, I, I rolled around in Afghanistan for two years in MRAPs. And the feeling that that gives you, the us versus them that that gives you, when you're looking through fucking 10 inches of transparent armor, fucking armored windshields, and it's not a friendly community policing feeling. That does not belong on the streets. I'm a fucking Leo. Like, I operate in three different jurisdictions, and I don't want to roll around in an armored vehicle. My point of view is that if we need to go to the point that we're using armored vehicles, maybe we should talk to them. Maybe they have a legitimate beef that needs to be discussed. Yeah. Um, it's unfortunate. But that's not at all. It's unfortunate. I found out, I found out about the stuff, like, um, I was doing a SAR for a sheriff's department, and that's where I uh, learned about all the ICS stuff, and that would have been... Um, would have been... 2016 and I really didn't know I mean I knew about Patriot Act and stuff like that but I just hadn't been involved in like a uh, like actually functioning in a in a you know law enforcement unit before I was just doing the, the, the search and rescue part of it but you know like we, we have the same EOC and stuff so it's uh, like integrated you know so I learned about all of that uh, at least in terms of like how they were interfaced with it, it's where it's where you know it was like immediately apparent to me as soon as I started to understand you know like going through the uh, presentations, uh, classes and shit for it, the, the compliance classes, just like sitting there and going like this is communism, like this is this is communism yeah. rolled out and uh, in its actual form, and you know this is foreign funding coming to the United States and they have poisoned all of these people's minds and they have no idea what was taking place. That, that is straight up why I switched my, well, I, I didn't switch. I, I had two majors. I was a double major. I was a criminal justice slash Homeland Security major. And I dropped Homeland Security because I couldn't take it. Yeah, and they literally like the thing that's fucked up, man, when I was growing up, you know, I'm just about to be 30. And when I was growing up, the word Patriot and being anti-government meant that you were like pro the little guy and pro freedom and pro brave. But the shit that I was being taught in 
you know, Homeland Security classes was that the word patriot meant that you were anti-government and you were dangerous and you were a domestic terrorist and you had to be watched and like monitored and shit. It's, and, it's still like that but, out here. Uh, like I'm on, I'm like near, uh, like closer to Kansas side in Missouri. And, uh, you know, it's like Western Kansas. So it's like, you know, you know, like Quantrill is like a known historical figure here. And people, you know, people are generally not, I don't know. I mean, they're kind of all, they're all, they're all on the, the money dope, like a bunch of money junkies, like everybody. And they don't really have any choice. So it's like, that keeps them pretty distracted. But if they get to consciously thinking about everything, like they obviously they don't like big government. Um, a lot of the cops out here, like very small, you know, they talk, talk all the time to like, you know, I mean, it's pretty simple talk, but they're usually like, if they give me orders to take away everybody's gun, I'm going to tell them to fuck off. You know, like, they'll, they'll talk about stuff like that all the time. And so there's a couple things I want to say about that. And like, First of all, the I've been following you for a couple of years, man. Like I, I never, I wasn't with Carnicon when that was going on. I found archives and shit, and then like I caught up with you know, Booger Eater and uh, Duke's fucking TM massages or whatever. And the way that you break it down and explain the way that everybody's on the drip, and it's all through finance. Because when you put people face to face, human to human, they usually don't have a beef. But whenever you put like this institution in place, then all of a sudden you've got people that are going at each other. Mm-hmm. And the way that you're talking about how, so God, where do you even start? But with your heart, so with your heart. Well, so I've got, I've got three jurisdictions. Um, I've got three part-time jobs, and between the three of them, I stay full-time busy. I work probably over fifty hours a week with three different part-time jobs, two different towns and a county. Um, so I police in two towns and then I police, I tried. So the two towns I police in are in the County I live in. And then I tried to get on with the County I lived in, but the first I have been passed over four times, even though I aced their test. First two times was experience. They had a better candidate and I was all about it. And they, those guys work out great. I, I work with them all the time on calls. And then the last two times was because they hired kids straight out of high school because they're black and they needed diversity hires and I'm too white for the job. So you know, it is what it is. But I got hired in the county adjacent. Basically, what I'm getting at is that I deal with a wide variety of people. I mean, I deal with 20, 30, 40 people a day. 20, 30, at least. That's a lot and, of content. Well, people, are, and, and it's a wide berth because, you know, I have the adjacent county and two towns I live in. And when I was in college, there was this paper. It's called The Death of Bowling. And it said that back in the day, 50s, 60s, 70s, Everybody used to bowl. You know, there wasn't fucking YouTube and Netflix. There was bowling. Oh, so so people would be. I can't oh, yeah, imagine. Community. I can't imagine. Social interaction. You know, I fuck one of my neighbors I live by. He's lived here for like five years and I just met him a week ago. Yeah. Um, but so people would be like, well, you know, Tommy's a Democrat and Billy's a Republican, but eh, they bowl together. So they get along and you would see the humanity in each other. Yeah, dude, my like my so, neighbors used to have my house keys. Like it, it was a different world back then. Unlocked doors. But you wouldn't do that anymore. Now yeah. here's the crazy part, and let me say this. So everyone I talk to, everyone I talk to says that. Yeah, man, we used to leave our keys in our cars with the windows down. We used to leave our doors unlocked. We used to let our kids ride their bikes up and down the street. As a police officer, I can tell you, 
all violent crime has gone down since steadily since the 80s. Right now, today is the safest this country's been since the 80s. But based on the perception of the media and shit, you don't feel that way. And since you don't know your neighbors and you don't feel the community vibe, you don't feel that way. Everyone feels dangerous. Everyone feels like they are their own island because everyone's just cooped up in their house with fucking Amazon and Netflix. And now instead of like, well, my neighbor's a Democrat, but we bowl together. Now it's like, well, my neighbor's a Democrat and he's the enemy. Yeah. And, and, and I run into this, man. I go, I go into calls and I go into one house on a call and these people are like, oh, thank God we got rid of Trump. He was the fucking Naziest Nazi that ever Nazi. And then like an hour <laughs> later, I'm in a fucking other house and they're like, man, Trump was the savior of America. I can't believe they rigged him out of office. And then I'm thinking in the back of my head, man, if these two people run into each other, I'm going to have another fucking call. To, to exactly. Go. <laughs> exactly. Right. You, so you're really seeing the, the you're point. seeing the mechanics take place like in the in the actual baked cake you're seeing what the flavor is dude you are in the middle of the fucking orchestra bro like that's that's crazy well and the scariest part is that i know there's a conductor yeah uh several now look it's it's not all bad and before before like because i feel like we're gonna have a good conversation but before like because the guy's I've been a guy listening to you guys for a while, and and I said this to Light the other day that I really appreciate you guys like giving Dugan kind of a conversational format to go with because when Dugan was like carrying all this weight on his own shoulders, man, it's a fucking you could almost get black belt. It's a lot to 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 handle, yeah, to bite difficult. and chew on. Well, so there's hope, okay, and maybe I'm an optimist. No, there's hope. It is yeah, there's hope. There's hope. It is. It is a. Uh, it's kind of like. I don't know. It, I look at it a lot like training, like combat training or something. So, yes. so like, you know, if you know the situation is that you're going to have to hump a 240 and ammo and a pack and your plates and your pot, then it's like you, you're going to have to do it. And so if you can't get anywhere close to it because you're delusionally thinking, like, I can only carry 30 pounds – then it's like you're never going to do it. So there's like a certain threshold of, of, you know, like people have to accept the threshold of like what is not reality and what is reality. Like you're, you're going to have to hump the 240. We're not turning around. You know, I mean, you can lay down on the ground and just like die there if you want. But if you're going to be a uh, like a conscious person that is, uh, you know, interacting with humanity and having a, having a conscience to do what is right and walk the way that's right, then you're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to resist uh, evil. And in order to do that, you're going to have to, you know, know what good is and what bad is. And it's like you, people, people, I mean, these days, because of the way that money is, how it flows, the velocity of money and its introduction, I mean, it's just people are so uh, corrupted fundamentally. Uh, by the lure of money and, and the pursuit of money that it become it, it replaces their moral compass to where, you know, to the extent that like, if it's flashy, then it rides. And if it's like pulling old, then it's no good. Like it's weird. It's gotta go. If it's organic at all. If it's natural at all, that's no good. It has to be a product. It has to have an image on it. It has to be um, compliant yeah. with taxation, compliant with, regulatory control, EPA, like, if it doesn't do that, it's bad. We've been, 
we've consumed so much artificiality that we ourselves are artificial. You are what you eat. Yeah. Uh, and and the way I, I think we could all agree that what we're up against is is so monumental and so massive that it's like this has never like every generation's like oh this is the apocalypse this is the anti man we're facing total government control total censorship total like fuck I remember the willingly talking about chickens and potatoes and that got shut down well I mean you this know. is this is I mean you know avoiding. The, the drama, the, the dramatism of it, but you know, this is the meaning that, not meaning that like everybody's gonna die, meaning that you know, there's not, there isn't a this this game, this charade, it can only go so far. So it's it's logically logically at its end process, and you have to have a, uh, you know, it necessitates I mean, something is going to have to. Uh, seriously give in terms of uh, humanity's perspective in order to go either direction. I, I don't believe that it can continue. You know, I, I don't believe it's possible. I mean, I think it can go further than it is now in the direction that's going on steroids to bust, but I don't think that it's a maintainable model for, you know, I don't know. I, I wouldn't put a timeline on it. You know, it. It could go a couple more generations, but it's uh, it's going to get really intense if it does if people don't wake up but if they do wake up, they're going to have a lot harder time. I've, I've thought well, about that. Everything always uh, searches for a center. You know, like one of the, the biggest things that's always inspired me was the water test. So if you have three bowls of water, one hot, one room temperature, one cold, you put your left hand in hot water, your right hand in cold water, and then you take both hands and put them in room temperature water. The hand that came out of hot water will feel cold. The hand, the can, hand that came out of cold water will feel hot. And so that's us as human beings. We don't have any natural zero. We experience things based on contrast. Yeah. So human beings, they will always try to find a center that we don't have on our own. Now, the, the, the analogy, analogy that I always use is the Titanic. So I feel like I'm standing on the deck of the Titanic saying, hey, guys, you see that iceberg? That could be a problem. We should probably adjust course or stop or maybe even fucking reverse. But either, no matter what, we should avoid that iceberg. And everybody's like, oh, just enjoy the music. The steak is amazing. Come on, chill out, you conspiracy theorist. <laughs> yeah. Everybody will complain once their feet are wet. But once their feet are wet, man, the ship is sinking and it's too late. We should have already made the change. To save the country, we should have adjusted course days ago, hours ago. But they won't. It's not until their Netflix is gone. I mean, this goes back to the Roman emperors, bread and circus. As long as you kept... The, the gladiatorial games going on and free bread passed out. You could start whatever war you wanted and levy whatever tax you please. You just had to keep the masses entertained. And that's where we're at with NFL and fucking... And that's the other thing. NFL. When I'm on patrol every day, you walk up to your average American man and you say, hey, who's your senator? Who's your congressman? What's your tax rate? What are your 10 fucking rights? No clue. But what was the batting average of this dude when he played college ball for this college? And what's your favorite NFL team? How many Super Bowls have they won? And that shit they know. And that shit now, they'll talk I don't, about. I don't blame politics. them there because they don't have any, you know, they've done, there's been a very thorough uh, house cleaning of government and they only put in yeah, corrupt people. So it's like, you know, there's a natural tendency of people to, I mean, even if they don't understand how corrupt it is, I think that there's a, a deeper mind that understands that like they don't want anything to do with that. And so they're not, you know, they, they, fortunately they're not 
most of the time they're not like idolizing, you know, the politicians. No, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. That's the other thing that kills me is you go up to anybody, it doesn't matter if they're left, right, center, whatever, and you'll say, hey, do you feel like the government's totally honest? Well, of course not. Do you feel like you're being screwed a little bit? Oh, yeah, of course. So you think they're, they're, they're not telling the truth, they're screwing you over? Oh, yeah, totally. So it doesn't matter. Even if you show them and, and get them, quote, unquote, woke, they're just like, well, there's nothing you can do about it, so what are you going to do? So anyways, you know, let's watch Frasier. <laughs> Frasier. Yeah, they just want to live their life. Yeah. <laughs> Who's watching? They just want to live their life and be stuck in uh, mediocrity. The funny thing is, though, I so I never uh, enjoyed sports. And everyone around me was falling into it and, you know, getting smashed and watching the game and, you know, fucking breaking TVs and shit. And I, I just, I don't know. I never fell into it. And I, I think that's kind of part of the you know, wake that, up that idol. Yeah. I mean, like if I was so sucked into all this other shit, I, I, I would have less time to realize what the fuck I mean, is it is a, it it is a yeah. relate. There's a there's a a reciprocal draw there for uh, sports because I've noticed that like the more um, perceptually that society becomes stressed, the more fanatically they like in a nonsensical way. Like like there's people that are like freaking out about sports right now, like making it uh, center distraction in their life. And it's you know I mean they're fucking making people wear masks and stuff. I mean there's nothing manly about any of it. You know, like, like, uh, just, I mean, it's just, it's, it's not even functionally the same, uh, thing at all. You know, I mean, people are wearing masks, they're canceling games. I think there are also people that are watching sports are also more likely to be watching the MSM. Mm -hmm. They're exposed to all the commercials and sports. You know, the Amazon commercials, Budweiser commercials, the all the bullshit. They're, you know, literally being programmed by their mm-hmm. hobby, their their entertainment. Yeah. One thing I will say in regards to uh, back with the Roman time, when things started falling apart in Rome, the sports became bloodier and bloodier and more fanatical. Yes. Um, it, yeah, and that's one thing that we are seeing, you know, here on our home front. And then talking about, um, you know, men becoming less masculine, uh, we are having historic low testosterone rates. And we've talked about this before. And they're talking about microplastics, uh, basically empty calorie food, even your meat that you're eating because you're not getting the, the proper nutrients from there. Yet China just recently put out a. Uh, a snippet saying they're trying to make the men in their country even manlier, but here in the U.S., you have to conform and become more. Oh, feminine. being manly is offensive. Well, oh, yeah. and obviously, like the you know the, the surface story of that of how it's propagated through pop culture is is uh, is tied into like the idea of equality, like socialist equality. But the reality is like what what's really going on, obviously, is that. You know they're discouraging. They're they're systematically discouraging um, resistance. You know, like intergenerationally. So they're so they're they're going instead of like one big push when everybody's like fuck this we're fighting. They're going intergenerationally and and making it a little bit less a, a little bit less uh, admirable in in the hegemony 
to talk about resistance, to embody resistance, to, to embody patriotism, you know, like they call, I mean, they basically made patriotism synonymous with nationalism, which, you know, is kind of illogical. It doesn't really make any sense because it's like, if you're a nation, then you have nationalism, right? I mean, isn't that what a nation is? But now it's a bad word. And it's, that's what right. patriotism. Nationalism. Means, and that I, I can actually speak personally to that because there's times where I'm kind of like wanting to talk. I mean, there, I had some, some of the best guys I've ever known were strong men, tough men. And I wish they were still around. Um, and they're dead now. And, and I look back at these wars that we've had and it's like, shit, man, all of the guys that would have charged into fucking machine gun fire for this country, they did. And now they're gone. And they didn't stick around and be fathers and have children and raise the next powerful generation. Nope, they're just gone. And what we're left with is all the draft dodgers and the cowards. And, you know, like it's and not to be like overly harsh, but that's kind of where we're at. Is like every every major war and conflict neuters the country just a little further. Yeah, great point. Further. Great point. That's true. Nope. Yeah. It's totally true. It's uh, man, I just think I always go back to Germany just because Germany got. I mean, they just got so like fucking rough. They, oh, they got they got, they got it rough, yeah. but they have. Um, like the World War, the World War One archive footage is incredible because it's so hidden from public view, but it's all archived. It's all out. There's, you know, there's like a, there's there's a reel of like, you know, a blast crater, and it's just like filled up with men, like just men in, like piled on top of each other, um, to where like you can't see the ground, and they're just like piled in this hole. It's like all German soldiers. You can. You know, they're all freshly killed. You can see their mustaches and like their boots and their uh, slacks and stuff. And you just like look at it and you're just like, man, like you can you can see in the image, like you can see their pride in their, uh, you know, like their their efficiency and pride and, you know, what it is they're doing. And you can tell that, you know, they really believe in what they're doing and um, are like getting everything that they've got. And then they're just like getting thrown into a meat grinder, you know. And then you, and then you've got to like every single person on this planet understands that, you know, history is written by the victor. And, you know, if if the Germans had won, then oh, the evil allies and their imperialist banks and their corporations and inter international organizations and NGOs. But no, they lost. So instead, now they're the the ultimate evil. And you know, one morning, sixty five million Germans all woke up and decided to be pure okay. evil. They. Yeah, no. Those were those were sixteen-year-old boys who, you know, answered the call. I mean, basically, those were Germans that that woke up one day and somebody said, "Hey, nine eleven and they said, "Oh shit, fatherland!" And they grabbed a fucking car, ninety-eight K, and walked out the door. That's yeah, awesome. they were set up though. They're, they Same they were never they were never gonna win it. Right. They were they were pretty much they were pretty much they were gonna win the Franco. They won the Fran. They they were the good guys. Feel like the Franco, Prussian Wars, but. Prussia. After that, yeah. like pre pre World War One, like as soon as you had, as soon as they got the big ego with the car, that was it. Like they were they were done. So the way that I look at it is, I try to take a step back and look at the whole picture, and it's like, okay, if I want to, I mean, fuck, dude, Bush Senior was the director of the CIA. He also ran the, the UN too, and he even gave... yeah. So right, 
So if I want to bring the world together under, you know, new world order or some fucking shit, then what do I need to do? I need to get rid of the biggest threats to that. And what's the biggest threats to that? Well, national bodies, because if a national democratic body exists, then some, you know, Joe Blow dickweed off the street that's too charismatic and too, you know, whatever could rise to the top and make changes. Well, I don't want that. You know, as long as it's just banks and churches running things, then I can decide who's appointed to those positions. But as long as you have elections and people rising from the bottom, well, then there's a possibility for change, oh. and that's no good. So we need to get rid of these things called nations. And how do you get rid of these things called nations? Well, you go after the biggest ones first. You go after the threat. You know, I don't, I don't crush the, the cockroach. I crush the snake. So they looked for the biggest dick in Europe. And that was Germany. They gave it a vasectomy twice. So No, that, I, think, I think that's correct. It's correct. The um, ours ours is a little bit more complicated, and it's going to be a little bit more thorough because they really don't. It's very. Uh, I don't even know what you would call it. Like I, I really get the sense that they are almost like seething with, like vibrating with excitement about the whole thing, and like nervous, and also, you know, riveted, and uh, they know, like everybody knows, that that is awake understands like how uh one way this whole thing is and how uh you know they can't fuck it up like if they if they fuck it up it's just going to be you know chaos i mean i don't think they can fuck it up like the 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 amount of resources and skill and like scalpel like precision that this shit is being set up with is fucking yeah. remarkable. Like I think in the in the past, like you know, when when countries were, um, you know, taken over and fucking wiped out, you know, it was done with a nuke, not actually. Mm. I mean, figuratively, right? It's like the difference of a mm. nuke and a scalpel. And now you're you're. I actually met someone recently uh, that uh, worked uh, psyops. And she was telling me how easy and simple it is to, you know, guide someone through to self-discovery for them to choose to do something without even fucking realizing that it is your plan and that it can be done on such a, a, a wide scale. Like, I don't know. I just I find it just cold and calculating. No, you're right that that they're like they've, they're sitting there with a scalpel and a fucking forehead wash rag on standby. It's scary the precision. I mean, the way that I equate it is like I feel like I just sat down to a chess table, and I'm just now trying to figure out how to win. And the other guy's yeah, been sitting there for it. a thousand years, like mm-hmm. they've been planning this. But here's the thing, man. They've got this shit so rigged that it doesn't even require the skill that they're coming at it with. So the people I deal with on a daily basis, though, like. Here's the scary realization. Like, so the book 1984 and Doublethink. Okay. So, you know, you can hold two thoughts simultaneously in your head. They contradict, but you believe both of them entirely. That occurs right now today. Everywhere. In America, every single day. And I I can prove it. So you go up to your average American and they'll go, hey, do you think the 2020 election was rigged? And some of them will be like, no, no. Oh, no. Elections can't be rigged. There's total security. Uh, YouTube uh, banner ads told me so, and CNN said that anybody that said the 2020 election was rigged was oh domestic terrorist and probably a QAnon, fucking crazy. 
And then it's like, okay, well, what about the Russians in the 2016 election? Because didn't CNN and ABC and all them scream for four years that the Russians <laughs> freaked the 2016 election? They hold those two thoughts simultaneous in their heads. The 2016 rigged. election, rigged. For four years, they all screamed it. And the 2020 election, no, not rigged. And if you think so, you're a fucking terrorist. It's now, I'm because not of the or anything. But I think it's fucking scary, the fact that they can march these people to the beat. It is scary. They don't even and it's, it. uh, it's the shape of what's to come because when, you know, regardless of how it opens up, the conflict with the United States is going to be, you know, despite anyone's intent, like it's going to be brother against brother. And that's, that's the really sad part about the whole thing is that people are too vain and, uh, you know, absorbed and, and uh, inundated by overstimulation that uh, unnatural overstimulation listening to the listening to the snake that they're unable to recognize any of this and you know they'll they'll, they'll readily accept a narrative of uh, like election rigging and fail to comprehend that you know like they don't have a country anymore or elections now that there's so much noise, they can't hear the truth, even if it whispers in here. <laughs> hey, let me throw this out. Um, it's just a little change of the subject, but I just uh, read this today. Uh, everybody's familiar with John Hopkins uh, Medical University, yeah, yeah. correct? All right. Well, apparently there is a John Hopkins uh, Bloomberg American Healthcare or Health in- uh, Initiative. Um, called the uh, extreme risk protection order to save lives and it's basically giving doctors uh cme credits uh to take these classes uh to basically red flag their patients bro not even joking if you guys look it up extreme risk uh, protection order uh bloomberg american health initiative um, it's going to knock your socks well, off. And what's the right. key word there? Bloomberg. Oh, yeah, Bloomberg. Yeah, that sounds super innocent. Light. Uh, Tell, uh, mm-hmm. I want him to stick a vaccine straight in my nuts. Double. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Just like Hank Aaron. <laughs> hey, Light, um, tell these gentlemen what uh, some of the stuff you've seen um, your children come back from public schools about, like, that oh, type of stuff. Please, fuck. Oh, my God. My son brought me home uh, his uh, history book, and there was a very, very light overview on what the Bill of Rights were. And the First Amendment was uh, definitely censored in that book. And then the Second Amendment said only for a well-regulated militia. Hey, (laughs) I'm like, wait a second. Let me fucking put in the karate chop. So the word fucking well-regulated meant something different in the 18th century. So, like, well-regulated meant something that was uh, well-tuned. It didn't mean, like, well-constricted. It meant, like, you know, like, if your plumbing's running like a fucking tap, it meant, like, if it's running good and in a good system, good pressure, well-regulated, like, disciplined. It meant effective, effective. Thank you. Yeah. It didn't mean mean constricted. It meant deadly. That you had clothing. I've got a – I've been getting really into – I got an 1851 Navy, Colt Navy. You got one well, of those? They're rad, me too. Man. You got the 36 I do, or the 40, in original. Yeah, the 44. Yeah. 
36. It was what my uh, oh, great great. You got, the, you got his? Me. That's the one that you were talking about? Damn. Dude. I got his. Oh. So the, uh, yep. I've been really getting into uh, uh, making my own black powder, and then I'm going to start doing my own uh, primers too. Which, yeah. Holy shit. And casting oh, balls. Yeah. Oh, heck yeah. Dude, how oh, it's great. is that tool? It's uh, a horse pistol. The is your is your rear oh, yeah. sight in the notch of your hammer? Fuck yeah, dude! Yeah. Oh man, I love uh, it. Twinsies, sorry. <laughs> oh, that, that's phenomenal. I have a Ruger Vaquero single action, three fifty seven. Uh, but that's oh, yeah. or it's a, no, it's a forty five long colt. Sorry, you got uh, you got to get you got to get nice. a uh, awesome. get a a, a fifty one or a sixty. They're just crazy. It's crazy when you hold it. You'll just transport back through time. Uh, it's like taking a time machine, and and it's they're really good quality. I mean, they're like operable, you know. Like being that old, they're like hey, operable, hey. fine. Hey, Grim, you said forty-five, yeah, 45 long colt. Long colt, Ruger Vaquero. Uh, I'll give you a funny little thing. You know how there's uh, stupid laws in the books. Oh. My town still has a law on the book saying that you cannot possess or carry 45 long colt. <laughs> that, that's my fucking daily carry. I keep it right there in my pocket. My fucking my state <laughs> says that it's illegal to have a bathroom indoors. What does that mean? <laughs> You're dead because in Alabama. Back back oh, then, I when, you. Uh, you had outhouses. It, it wasn't sanitary to have one, you know, in living quarters. So uh, it's Virginia. No chamber. Virginia is a very bro. Chamber pot. They had outhouses uh, here until yeah. uh, like nineteen seventy, and so like sometimes when I'm doing uh, sewer repair, we will like dig through the ground and find old like railroad tie wood that was used to like line uh, bottom of the outhouses. Damn. That's crazy. Well, hey, Doug. Um, I know you you had some uh, questions that yeah, you yeah. asked Mr. Grimm. Um, yeah, so in the uh, yeah, like in terms of uh, your interface with the various departments, do you have like a sizable department that you uh, interact with? So I was actually, and that's great minds think alike, um, so, like I said, I've got three jurisdictions. I have three part-time jobs. I stay full-time busy. Um, I do a county that's adjacent to me that's not very well populated, and then I do two towns in my county that is pretty substantially populated. And then I no, no, don't don't give yourself away. Just, just can you give us a, like a magnitude? Like we're talking like greater than a hundred thousand, less than a hundred thousand, greater than fifty thousand, greater than twenty-five thousand. So I'm right outside of the state capital. Oh, which is okay. Probably a yeah. quarter million. You've got a lot of people. And um, yeah, and well, I'm I'm, in, I'm on the outskirts, so I'm in the country. But uh, so, I, and this is what I was wanting to get at. And and, and fuck, I will never interrupt a gun <laughs> chat because I like like me a couple of BB guns. <laughs> um, but I deal with, and this is kind of something I I have a couple of notes written down here. I didn't want to come at you guys, you know, with a flaccid. Uh, conscious so i have a couple of notes here one of my notes was that i wanted to bring this up because whenever they said it to me i must have looked like a deer in the headlights um so i'm pretty decently close to the state capitol and 
I interact with the academy where they train new officers. And the instructors who I deal with, they are high-ranking officers, police officers in the Capitol Police Force. And they got they got the they, they got uh, the uh, Rothschild buddy system going on over there, the money buddy system. They have hot sheets. Yes, yes, Dugan, they do. So they have hot sheets where they and they straight up like I'm sitting there and they're teaching a whole new class of cadets and I'm sitting there in the corner like holy fuck, trying not to bite my tongue off. Uh, they have hot sheets where, so a hot sheet is not a crazy thing. Like if any police officer listen to this, he's gonna be like, oh yeah, hot sheets. Um, so a hot sheet is like any high profile items that have been sold at pawn shops recently. Any cars that have been stolen in the area recently, any warrants that have been issued recently in the area, any APBs, all points, bulletins, it's kind of shit like that. But the thing that stands out to me is what's recently been added and standardized into these hot sheets. Mm -hmm. Anti-government extremists. That's from from the the, uh, Irish, uh, you know, instigators putting that in there from uh, NCRIO. Yes, the yes, the um, the the footwear. Uh, they they have made it to where if you want to be compliant with federal guidelines and you want to get this fat fucking funding check up your ass, then you need to pay attention to these hot sheets. And on these hot sheets, they have these anti-government extremists. And being an anti-government extremist, all you have to do, man, is make a couple of fucking Facebook posts that are anti-government. And here's the other thing, and I I really want all your listeners to hear this. So. The, the officers that I deal with, man, some of them are great. So, uh, fucking some of them are fantastic guys, man. It reminds me of the Marine Corps. That's why I'm in the profession. They're, they're good guys. They're solid guys. You know, gunfire goes off. They don't run away. They run towards. They're solid. But some of them, they're smart. They're athletic. They're meatheads. They're smart enough to get you to fucking confess to some shit, but they're not smart enough to step back and look at the whole big picture. Like, they're, they're tools yeah. to a purpose. They got blinders on. They got blinders on. And, and these are not dumb guys. These are smart, big, strong guys, but they don't give a fuck, man. And they're wearing SWAT body armor. And all they care about is, man, I, I have a mortgage. So, yeah. if and here's the thing. So, I personally know of, and this is not something I do, I wouldn't do this. I, I would not. This goes against, I swore an oath to the Constitution, man. I, I was in the Marine Corps five years. I swore an oath to the Constitution. I take that shit serious. I'm a, I come from a very, not a rich family, but a proud family. There are officers that I know of that have Facebook accounts and Snapchat accounts and social media accounts. I don't have any social media at all, but they have social media accounts where they pretend to be young girls, hot. They, they pretend to be hot fucking blonde shell bombs in their 20s when in reality it's a fucking 40-something-year-old cop, 30-something-year-old cop, and they trap people with that shit. And they think it's funny. Well, what do you mean for bus? Or are you talking like they're just and, weirdo perverts? <laughs> Oh, are they underage? They're, they're plot be underage. Oh. No, no, they don't pretend to be underage. They, I mean, well, that could also happen. But what I know of, I know of at least a half dozen that, that have Facebook like drugs of chicks in their 20s with good-looking profile pictures or whatever, and they trap dudes in and bust them with this. Wait, 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 so wait, it's wait. like, it's what? not exactly. And here's the thing. Yeah, what are like, they getting them on? They busted them with, like, drugs. What's the MO here? Like... Mostly. So the thing that scares me is, that okay. stuff is mostly aimed at drugs, but you have to understand that what's coming down the pipeline is these anti, like the instructors, yeah. when they explain it to this new crop of cadets, they're literally describing anti-government 
extremists are like, oh, these guys, they talk to their toasters. They're fucking crazy. They wear tinfoil hats. They beat their wives. They're fucking, they, they think, you know, blah, blah, blah about the government. And it's crazy because the word patriot used to mean pro little guy, pro freedom, pro brave hero. I... Now it's fucking terrorist enemy. Yeah, dude, when you, I'm, I'm sorry to jump in, but just really quickly, it, something you said at the very beginning of the stream, it, you mentioned uh, patriot and anti-government in the same sentence. And when we were kids, because we're all not too far off from the same age, we would have never envisioned those two things being said can, like in, in the same sentence. Mm-hmm. That's now, I, crazy. I wanted to alley oop. I wanted to alley oop what what you said the, about uh, you know, about the transition, the slippery slope of uh, law enforcement going in the trend of not serving the people and being uh, disconnected from the constituency and uh, serving a, a invisible master that drops a paycheck in their box. So you know, it's not. It's not. This is not a threat. I just want to give like a picture of reality so you know there's a lot of people in the united states a lot of people are not happy with what's going on and for for ellie and i've always had you know i I feel comfortable saying this because i've always had you know friends that are in ellie and stuff and like I, i get it i understand there are people that are not happy with what's going on and that have tolerated this stuff look uh the degradation of the United States because the alternative is like mass death. So nobody wants that. And so they've, they've tolerated and, uh, and uh, put up with the loss of everything, you know, gradually so far because there's not a better alternative, but when, when your bosses, the people that, that really pay the bills where the money comes from, who mind you are not going to be there to, uh, take the fall for you when, when this stuff comes around, when the pressure steps into somebody's home, you know, like into, into good people's homes and, uh, people lose the, the option to tolerate and they, and, and it pushes to the point where, you know, they, they feel like they don't have a choice. And I'm not saying that this is right or wrong. I'm just saying that this is logically the way it's going to be. I mean, it's going to unleash absolute hell. And it's just because just because people are operating in a in a status quo normal procedure of like routine patrol and you know getting compliance out of people you know and having a, like a, a a presence like a threat presence where it's, uh, you know you're not going to you know you're 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 not facing like significant opposition other than some shithead or something that stuff can just all go away overnight. You know what I mean? And, and I, I, I agree. And first of all, like, I just want to make my position clear. And I swear to God, I have already made this clear to my chief and the sheriff that I work for. I both my bosses. If I was ordered to go gun door to door and to confiscate guns from law abiding citizens that have not committed any crime, they both know oh, that yeah. in their no, hand no. within that fucking day. no, not something I do. No, no, I, I didn't mean it. It's not directed to you. It's, I, I just mean like, I just mean like in the, in the sense of like, no, you know, because no. you, I'm sure you understand, like, especially recently with the way that the media has played a very effective synthesis to separate uh, law enforcement from constituency and, and isolating both of them to face them off against each other and make them 
like too non-interactive, like make them interact less. Make them. And you're exactly right because the thing is, is like your the tyranny you experience is directly proportional to the distance you have from from you to your overlord. So like your local mayor, your local sheriff, he's probably not going to fuck you too hard because you know where he lives. But the the, the governor, the president, yeah, they and they can, can just drop a crazy order in there. Long. They can, they can drop they can no. drop stuff that's way way too ballsy that they would that no one would ever do if they had to show face because they'd have to pay the consequence. And then the co- but the consequence is gonna. What, what I'm saying, I guess, what I'm trying to say, to be more clear, is that, you know, like because just because Americans are compliant right now, and if you talk to them, they'll be like, yeah, you know, I think I think we should have law and order and things like that. That's like a generalization, and it's and it's it's assuming that everything stays on the same yeah. path, like the same keel. Like they're still gonna have a job, they're still gonna have their rights. They're not gonna be like getting their rights violated and stuff like. As those things start to go away, TikTok one after another, it's going to flip a switch where you're going to hit a threshold. You listen, you are perfectly clear, Dugan, and I love what the fuck you're saying, and I hope to God that you're right. But the thing is, man, is I'm afraid that they'll never give us that chance because America does have a strength in it. It's a sleeping fucking giant dragon, and they don't even realize what they are. They're a fucking Goliath. And, and I mean, fuck, there's straps in every house. I mean, every time I walk up, I do a traffic stop and I walk up on a car and there's window tint. I'm just going to give them a speeding <laughs> ticket. I don't know if they're going to shoot me in the face. I have fear of every fuck. It's real. I have fear of every single American that I encounter because I know that they are a warrior waiting to happen if they only choose to be. And the thing is, is I don't think that they'll ever put us in no. a position to be a hero or a martyr. I think it's a slow death by a thousand cuts. I look, I long for the fucking yeah. day where I can stand side by side with my neighbors and fucking and, and shoot it out with the Adidas footwear. No, I, I, I don't, I think, don't think that. that. I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. Think, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a really ugly thing. I don't think it's going to be a good thing. I don't think it's going to be, I, I don't think people, you know, people have been so polluted in the mind for so long that I, I don't think that we have the foundation of, uh, you know, righteousness to be able to uh fight righteously and so so like that's not what i mean what i mean is like i'm talking like you know you've got millions of vets that you know i mean yeah people see stuff on the news and stuff they'll see like clips of battles or whatever and homeland province or body or whatever but you know i mean you're talking about like people that are really familiar with explosives and people that are, you know, really good at like shooting people, like, you know, taking life like instantaneously from really long distances, even with just like a, just a rifle, it's just a level. It's a level of intensity and competency and combat that is unknown. And when it comes to bear, it's just going to, it's going to be really different and it's going to, it's, it's going to be really ugly because it's going to, it's going to cleave the distance between, uh, like the state and who who's getting the money and all the uh, you know everybody else and like right now I think what they're trying to do is dump money into a little bit of everywhere so they can capture everybody so they're they're dumping money into like farmers and you know like they're they're trying to get everybody subsidized if they can in any way that they can but you know that's entirely dependent on a functioning economy which is you know trillions of dollars in debt you know. My brother, well, the, the functioning economy is a dead economy. So the very moment, it's like the Great Depression. 
the very moment that one of these countries, because every year we have to borrow money going to debt, and the very moment that one of these countries, we don't borrow debt from thin air, we borrow from countries, and the very moment that one of these countries comes to us and says, hey, Mr. United States, I would like to be paid back a portion of my debt, and we go, sorry, Mr. Denmark, I can't pay you back, or Mr. China, I can't pay you back. There's going to be a fire sale. Every country will come to collect at once. They won't be able to. Our credit and, will to go to shit. And, and you don't have anything to back it up. So you can't fine. restart. But I agree they, they shipped everything off. Oh, no. There's no yeah. There's no silver, gold, or oil. But, Dugan, I agree with you, my brother. I agree with you that we've got multiple generations. We've got medics, warriors, marines, soldiers, airborne. We've got all that. We have strength within this American population. Now... There are, we're not the only people that know that. There are people that could harness that for bad or harness that for good. So we all agree that the American people are the last holdout of strength. Well, they, How do we they have to understand the right direction? Well, Go ahead, that's Dark. exactly what. No, I, I, was, I was just, that is exactly why the, the Patriot has been targeted. That's exactly why domestic terrorists have been targeted because if the majority are being softened and if the majority will comply, then there's that minority of those military age males that are armed, that are dangerous, whether they're SEALs or civvies, there's, you know, a good amount of people out there that are, like you said, warriors in the making, should they choose to be. So I, I, I think that, we're being we i think those specific types of people are being targeted so that they can slowly death by a thousand paper cuts pull them pull them off put them away kill them whatever send them to war you know just get fucking rid of them somehow so we have this you know flaccid nation that is willing to comply with it's whatever just, changes it's just, you know like planned. there's there's no way to avoid conflict so so to, just to be clear like I, i'm not saying that there's going to be a knight in shining armor that's going to come out of this what i'm saying is that like people are going to get start cutting each other's dicks off that's what i'm saying i'm saying that like you know this place is going to look like mech it's going to look like cartel land mm-hmm. but like and way more vicious because people aren't going to care because everybody that's everybody that's sitting around well, so the so the american dream has been corroded there's nothing that's uh, everything is corrupt and so nobody's going to have any mercy for anybody you know because everybody's going to look at each other like you're all corrupt anyway and you all need to go straight to hell uh, like as fast as i can send you it doesn't matter if i die doing it and that's how it's going to get as soon as conflict opens like people don't see that right now because we're still you know functioning on this uh, on the vapor fumes but you know like the the push against the United States, the people of the United States isn't, isn't going to stop. Obviously, it just continues to intensify while the stressors increase internally. And what I'm saying about the bosses is like the people that are orchestrating this whole thing are not are not here, and they don't care about the outcome of the United States. So they they're they're happy if the cops die, and they're happy if the if you know everybody dies because anybody that wants to resist at all because they the only people that they want left are you know people that are going to be compliant but you know people the people that resist which will be a thousand different ideologies like everything from like nationalists uh you know um just people that are in self-interest like probably probably something similar to prohibition era type stuff 
I mean, you're going to see a lot of things manifest out of necessity, especially when the economic squeeze comes and you have the, the tax collection continuing and people can't, you know, comply. And so they're going to be, they're going to be pushed into different areas that, you know, I mean, who, who knows what, but it's not going to be a, you know, I mean, on the track that we're going, like there is no, there is no consolidated force, but that doesn't mean, I mean, if you can imagine, you know, tactically, I mean, if you imagine like a hundred skilled riflemen that understand the level of like understand drones, understand, you know, radio technology and how they would be identified and seen and understand like, you know, lots of phones and stuff like that. If you, I mean, just a hundred guys with rifles that understand that, that are like, don't have anything to lose and are like ready to go out of this world and, and are operating together. Like you can imagine how much chaos that would cause. In fact, well, on that note, I want people, anybody that's listening to this to understand that my firm belief is that it's better to be a small oh, group sure. of trust than a big group of, of strangers. So you, you, you don't want to just, because I've kind of dealt with this, you, you don't want to just bring somebody in that you think smells right. You really want to give them the sniff test. It's really a... Uh, get to know them. Uh, <laughs> It's a, it's a, it's a, <laughs> yeah, it's a really sticky situation because on one hand, right, like you, of course, you, you logically, you, especially if you live somewhere that's, I mean, if you're in a city, it's like cutthroat automatically. You have no idea who anybody is. If you live out in the country or something like that, then logically you would want to go with anybody that's in your proximity that's from there because you're going to have like the ties of loyalty. But money can supersede that. The only thing that holds back the uh the lure of money is ethic and so you know and you don't really know what someone really feels you know especially especially when you take away you know because the 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 of honor that that we've thought to embody as america has been so thoroughly corroded that people don't even realize it so they're so they're operating on like the shell of this thing that no longer exists in formality it only exists for if you if you if you do it. Like if you're an honorable person, if you're a truthful person, that's where it exists. But it doesn't exist in the state functions or the ideas. Oh, we're 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 hollowed out as a shell. Right. Our current mantra is diversity yeah. is our strength. The fuck it is. No, diversity is is a fucking a thousand sticks trying to hold up a house, man. No, you need some solid ass fucking two by fours and concrete in there. Like you need some unity. You, you, you don't need a thousand different small communities all trying to speak their own language. Like that's how they defeated the tower of Babel. Yeah. Not that I'm like and when, and when, religious, but yeah. And when, and when, uh, it's, it's you know, when, around. when people, you know, they're, they're going to like, when things start to become more fucked up, it will force them to shed the illusion regardless of what that means. It'll mean a lot of different things to everybody, but the, you know, like in the case where you had, locals that you're working with and you think you have loyalty. once they no longer have the external pressure of like honor because they're like well this is an honorable society anyway it it i mean it's just a very dicey thing because you could have somebody that you know if there's money particularly flowing through which is the mo of every controlled revolution that's ever taken place they, they shut everything down, which they've already done in the United States with uh, COVID, or they've already begun the process, and then they pump money into the conduits that they want to take over so they get stimulated and grow. 
And then when you start to get conflict, that's where you get this. I mean, it's a model that's been done sometimes. I mean, when I was in, you know, on bar during the on bar awakening, we would tag along with the, uh, have to tag along with infantry while they went and brought cash to the sheiks, you know, which is exactly saying it just, you know, the way they talk about it in history, they don't, they don't describe it that way, but that's funny money coming in and they just pay, they, they find all the people that'll take money and then they use them as like influence hubs for material. So they're like, you know, they, they form the militias, they, they do all of the, uh, they, they want to, capture all of that energy into controlled conduits and not have anything that's like, you know, wild boy energy going on where people are getting, uh, you know, resisting on their own will, just running on, you know, their, their fire that they've got inside. Yeah. 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 The one, the one thing that um, we haven't talked on is the fact that, when money really is not going to help you out and it's just going to be food and water is going to be the resources you're looking for because, you know, semi trucks have stopped delivering down the interstate and, you know, all these other uh, valves have been shut off to be able to squeeze everybody and help, you know, basically add gasoline to the, uh, uh, to the fire and get that conflict moving even more. That's well, going to be I, the let me, scariest can I say part. A thing on that. So, one of the, one of the biggest slaps in the face I've ever had in my life was and Dugan, dude, you, I'm I, I'm I'm pinching myself because it's like this is a fucking hell of an opportunity. Um, so you are the reason that I've got a fucking dozen chickens. You're the reason I've got three months of supplies. You're the reason that I'm fucking stocked up and awake. And and I mean I like I said earlier with my kind of my bio, I had questions and shit, but you gave me one or two answers. And that's a fucking monumental leap beyond anything else that I've heard. Because in the world of noise, you're a light in the darkness. And it's great. So, done sucking your dick. But what I'm saying is that I set up, based on what you were saying, you were talking about solar still shit. And you were talking about how water is important. I said, man, you know what? I have, I'm not going to say who, but I have a small family. I've got some dogs. And I have people that depend on me. I'm the man of the house. I said, fuck, you can't go very long without water. I've got, you know, a few months of bottled water, but I, need, I really need some water. So I, I went out to my garage, and with a few hours of YouTube videos and a case of Bud Light and a few hours of, you know, a couple afternoons, I set up a rig where I collect water off my rain roof, or my fucking roof. Rain hits my roof, goes down to the gutter, comes down, I got a plumbing, th- and I'm not a plumber at all. Fuck. My dad was a hell of a carpenter, and I'm not that guy. But I have a plumbing thing set up where it comes into these 55-gallon barrels with these filters, and I collect my own fucking rainwater. And it's pretty cool. And I, and I sat there and looked at it, and I'm like, man, that's awesome. With a few hours of YouTube videos and a couple days, I was able to rig this up. And then it hit me. With the resources that the U.S. government has, the trillions of dollars, the manpower, the knowledge, the years, if they wanted to, they could hook up every home in America with the ability to self to, to have their own self-sustainability, their own sustenance, with but their own never water, did. just off the square footage of your roof or your yard. And, and, the, and they could have their own fancy filters because I have to use iodine tablets or boil it to drink the water that I harvest. Otherwise I risk sickness, but we could fancy filter it where you could just tap it right there from the drum. And, but like Dugan just was saying, 
they wouldn't do it because they want to pipe it to you and sell it to you and have the ability to flip the switch at any time. And that's the biggest, it's, it's, that's the biggest red pill suppository so I've ever had. Uh, like fraud, waste, and abuse. Like in terms of in terms of the engineering system, how it's set up, it is entirely. I mean, you know, I I don't want to. You know, people that work in Oops. keeping the lights on and utilities and stuff. You know, this isn't this isn't about them. It's just the system designers. Like all this stuff got designed <laughs> from a central point, and then they distributed out using money by giving people for free like the steel to do piping. Most of that happened after World War II or in the United States. And they, they made a standardized system and people work in the system now and they go, well, it's great because it's standardized, but they, they fail to step back and look at the perspective of not only, not only like what happens in an emergency, you know, or, or like what happens in standard procedure when you have contamination and stuff like that. But, in terms of the amount of pipe that has to get changed out, the amount of fuel that has to take the pipe there and the material and tools and like manpower that all require, all are paid for with taxes, you know, or subsidies, or it's, it's coming out of the name of the United States. Like it's pulling, you know, the, the lifeblood out of the United States to maintain the system as it is. And it's, it is not in any way efficient at all. It is, I mean, if you've ever driven around, um, uh, I mean, I, I lived in Utah, which is, you know, in an area that was like the, the hot desert part of Utah. And it would be the summer and it'd be like 100 degrees outside and you'd have the hydrants running. And people used to complain, you know, like you'd see people like stop their cars and be like, why? Why is there water running on the ground? You know, because it's kind of a big deal in the desert. And they would always complain. But what, what is going on is that this is the standard national system. And what they're doing is they they take water from wherever it is that they're drawing, which they have, you know, taken over as the government. And they say it's theirs whenever they started this. So they, they have taken that over. They subsidize anyone that had their own water source, like a river, like if you had a river coming by your town or whatever, and you had your own water plant. Over the decades, they've tried to make it cheaper and, and more available to just take the standardized package. And what they're doing when you see water coming out of a hydrant is they are, they're doing uh, flushing. And the reason that they're doing flushing is because for compliance, they have standardized testing for uh, like chloroform, which is, you know, uh, uh, or I'm sorry, coliform, not chloroform. I'm getting my, uh, I'm like still in like chemistry mindset. Uh, <laughs> They're testing for coliform <laughs> because it's an indicator of like the level of possible pathogenic, you know, material that's in the water. Like if there's dead animals in the water and shit like that, of which they have no idea. And then they're, they're burning out, you know, they're putting chlorine yeah. in the water or chloramine, you know, which is like chlorine ammonia. And that is how they're doing standard, uh, you know, uh, disinfection for the water system. And they have to flush it because they have to push out bad water so they can get the test that's good on a regular interval. So they, have, they have a regular interval that they have to turn in that goes up the chain for the standardized, like you pass A plus, good job, where like they have to read, read like residual chlorine levels of like how much chlorine is in there that's definitely going to kill any dead animals that are in the pipes or poop or anything like that that's in the pipe is going to disinfect it. They need a certain level of chlorine present. So if they, if they don't have the level of chlorine, then they're not compliant. So on test day, 
they have to flush thousands of gallons of water in every town. And that's why you're seeing the hydrants on because they have to run the water out to move bad water out of the pipe so that they can hit a clean test on the residual chlorine level. That is what's going on. So that is, that is a regular weekly occurrence in anybody that is, doesn't have any town that doesn't have their own water plant where it's like Bob and Joe are pulling water out of the river and doing their own, you know, homebrew disinfection for like a small community. If it's not that, if you're just like, I don't know where my fucking water comes in. It comes from the magic, Magicville in the ground. That is the system that you're using. So the amount of gallons of water that are like wasted and the amount of uh, chemicals that have to be produced to supply this, the amount of material and pipes, it is absolutely the, the worst possible. I mean, there's really not much worse that could really be done. I mean, yeah, it's like working when it works, but it's not a smart system at all and it's not maintainable. Well, I think that everybody could agree, at least, I mean, from what I understand, is that being in a big city and living in a, like, I spent two years living in a 600 square foot apartment in a big city. And that was just long enough to realize that that's not what I wanted to do. Um, I was ready to fucking shoot my neighbor and get the hell out of there. But you've got no self-sustainability. You've got no, I mean, your water's fluoride packed and coming straight out of the pipes. And it's coming from these massive, you know, mega hydro centers like Dugan is talking about. So from what I understand, the revolution is based on fucking chicken and potatoes. I mean, it's it's self-sustainability. It's, I mean, it's running your own shit. But, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, and please let me be wrong it kind of feels like a retreat. It kind of feels like we're giving up these major urban power centers to the fucking, to the elite, to the financial, and we're just running. It is, it is, but but you have to, to be, to be completely honest with you, it's like everybody that's participating in this, and we all are to an extent, and the degree to which we're participating in it, because it's the easier way to go. Like we're all complicit in this entire thing. And so like the people that choose to be more complicit are more guilty of it, you know? And so the, uh, when this thing goes to a head, you know, because the stressors are being applied from people that aren't going to pay the consequences of it, it's going to be all the people inside of the box. They're going to pay the consequences. When that comes to a head and people start biting at each other, it's like, you can't, I mean, this thing is going to go crazy and you can't blame, you know, you can't blame a guy for, you know, wanting to be free and like not being able to because the system's trying to hold them down and then getting like pushed the edge, which is obviously, obviously like what's, what this whole thing is coming to. And it's probably going to be at like a saturation level where it just starts going off like popcorn and you're going to have like one or two pops here and there. And then it's just going to be like the whole bag's just going to fill up. And, you know, the, the, the aspect of like self-sufficiency is, is it's not like it's not like this uh radical revolution it's a liberation of how we should be living living anyway because it is the only way to live that is sane and it's the only way it's the only way to truly live where you're not because it's if if you took if you take a man like let's say there's a man on an island with a wife and you know four kids and then let's say that there's some other guy that wears a suit that sits the sits at a desk on the beach 
and he has a little box and you know the guy the guy that uh has the family you know he can either do everything from for his family with what is provided to him in creation which is already there and uh made for him or he can go up to the guy sitting at the desk and then he gives him everything to give to his family in that situation when you cut it when you cut it down that that clearly it's obviously completely insane for a man to rely you know he's relying on a, a total stranger that is not him and has no consequence of his success or failure in whatever his endeavors are to provide everything that's going to keep him and his family alive. And it's insane to uh, think that that model is appropriate for anybody at all. It's a, it's robbing all people of their humanity. It's turning. Well, and Dugan, when you make it simple like that, it's like comically fucking obvious. It's like, well, no, of course he's going to go crack the coconut himself instead of like allowing right. the businessman to crack it for him at a rate, at an interest rate. But when you add in the noise of 10,000 sources of the NFL and Netflix and Snapchat and fucking everything else all drowning him out, and ABC and CNN. Exactly. They're herded like cattle. He's just choosing but the path of least The dark resistance. part of this analogy is that, you know, the yeah. way that he's going to pay for that is that that man is going to come into your house, into your, into your cave whenever you want and have his way with your daughter. And he's going to come into your cave whenever he wants, and he's going to slap your dog around. And he's yeah. going to come into your cave whenever you want, yeah. and he's going to stand in front of you while you're eating dinner with your it's kids, nice. and he's going to say, I need you to go do this thing now because this is what's important to me, and, you know, I give you everything. So, you know, you, yeah. Well, right. It, it's not your cave, Dugan. You still have a mortgage. Yep. So. I know I know you've got a family and you're all collect, sitting here peacefully you know, having a dinner, time, but yep. you know, this is this is my time to uh you know, I need your services now and so I'm standing on your table and looking over you and I'm telling you what to do in front of your wife and your children while they're while your child is like, gazing up like, you know, soaking in everything around him and he's learning that his father has a master. And that is it's, <laughs> we we're all men here, and and when Dugan makes it simple like that, then each one of us cringes and goes, "Well, no, I'm not going to let some man tell me what's because oh, fuck, I've got a girlfriend. She's laying on the couch looking at me right now. None of us are going to say, oh, well, I'm going to let him do that. So do that. No, do. I'm the man of my cave. I'm the man of my household. But we do. We let this happen. How the fuck do we cut but out all that the, noise? That's the thing. So we are, like, inside of us is that that ego that, you know, that caveman that says like, well, fuck no, I would never let somebody do that. Right. But then again, we, if we go through a set of questions and say, okay, where do you, where do you get your water from? Where do you get your food from? Where do you get your ammo from? Where do you get your guns from? And it, it, you know, where, where does your child get get their education from? Where does, if we go through all those questions, then that individual would realize that, they are. They're all slaves. That, like their life and that's is why unleashed. that's why yeah. I can't start the conversation everything with yep. we're all slaves. Yeah. But that's that's the reality. And it's a it's not a black pill. It's it's liberation because you have to you have to accept that you're gonna carry the two forty and all the fucking ammo and that you don't have any choice not to. So if you can't lift hundred and twenty pounds and hump it then you're just going to have to figure out how to do it. And that's, that's. Dugan, it, it, it kind of, it does, like but it, 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 it seems it like that. Hurts. But the reality yeah. is the true reality is, is that I mean, everything that it, it, people need 
was provided to us in our creation. And all the system is, uh, and I mean provided to us in our creation in terms of all the satisfaction and uh, everything that you could ever dream for is between you and creation and the people that stand in the way of it are drawing, you know, drawing a curtain between you and it so that you can't see it and so that you are uh, illusioned to believe that, you know, that that's not yours. And uh, when, when we reconnect uh, through necessity, which is unfortunately probably going to have to be like, we, we talk about it like it's an idealized state. Like we're going to use our best judgment in our minds and then correct all of our errors. But the truth is that pain and suffering and fear are the greatest motivators. And right now they're using fake fear to uh, work in their favor. But the reality is that that's going to catch up and then you're going to have the pain. And when the pain comes, pain moves people more than fear because fear is a abstract reaction to something that hasn't occurred. But pain is an involuntary reaction to something that's happening. And when you touch a pot that's hot, you're going to pull your hand back whether you wanted to leave it on the pot or not. Yeah. 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 There's actually a lot of psychological studies done on pain versus pleasure and motivation. And you're absolutely right. It, there's another thing too that I want to say about the, the the black pill aspect of it. I think, you know, I went through almost like mourning, uh, like different stages of mourning when, you know, I, I, I've always been, not always, I've for a third of my life have been prepping and for whatever it, it, it is, I don't know. I've just been, you know, fearing that society was going to collapse. And, you know, when about a year ago when I re-found Dugan, I went through different stages of like, oh my God, like we lost Dugan, man. He's crazy. <laughs> like, you know, he's, he's nuts. Look at him. Look at these fucking chickens. Dude. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, but then I, uh, I started connecting the dots on everything yep. and the simplicity of it was like, oh my God, how did I miss that? Right. Yep. Like, you know, it, and everything like from, you know, the wars to the shoe people to, it was just like tying everything together. And like light had said, I had never seen that, you know, wide of a scale, like everything drawn together. And, um, once it, it initially, I think it's just the acceptance of it may feel like a black pill, but then when it's embraced that, and, and this, this thing that, that I, I heard, I think it was, you know, I heard Dugan say it most recently was that this day was made for you. Yes. And I started saying that with my daughter and, uh, man, everything here was, was created for, for me and my family and for our sustainment. For and, and beyond that, yes, no matter for, how for lost man, all these generations mankind. are and, and how much they try to turn us into the matrix where we're all in a little you know gel battery there's going to continue to be new life man and that life comes in completely perfect and fresh with a fresh slate and as long as people are around no matter what kind of crazy bullshit stories about ai or aliens or you know robot people or whatever whatever they're coming out with as long as people as long as the bad guys are alive 
to uh, sell you those lies, there will continue to be new life created. And it will have an opportunity that supersedes our lifetimes and uh, uh, scope of understanding to re-attack re this entire thing. You know, and so just because just because it seems dismal right now, uh, because there, there doesn't seem like there's hope, it's just not the case. You know, we're, we're thinking of it in the scale of we want to hold on to our delusional picture of you know like the America that we thought that we knew, but the reality is that you have to you have to let that go and realize that it, you could have that if you make it, but you're gonna have to make it, and you can't have somebody else make it for you. They'll never do it. Yes. Well, and, and first, and first of all, like with Dugan, with what you're talking about, let me. So you're you're talking about the generations and like making something for those that come after us. There's an old Greek proverb that says, "The world is a better place when men plant trees, the shade of which they'll never sit." That's exactly right. So you you got to plant trees that you'll never sit in the shade of, and we've we've got we've got to do things that we'll never benefit from. And the way that I look at it, man, is like, you know, I've had, we, I'm not telling you guys anything you don't know. We're all grown men here. You've had bad times in your life. You've had good times in your life. The, the, mm -hmm. the, the light has never seen so bright as after a month of darkness. When you come after it, like it like goes back to the, the bowls of water I was talking about with that psychological experiment. You take a hand out of hot water and put it in cold water, it feels hot. You know what I mean? Or room temperature water. We experience things by contrast. And if we can come yeah, out contrast. of what we're facing right now and stand to, when generations look back at our generation, they'll say, holy shit, that was the generation that held the line. That was, those were the holdfasts. Those were the guys that stuck it out and made sure that the light was still burning for their grandkids and everything else. I mean, like when people talk about these stimulus checks and they're like, oh, yeah, well, you know, at least we're getting 600 bucks or 1400 bucks. And I'm like, dude you realize that they fucking racked up $2.2 trillion in debt for that. If you take $2.2 trillion divided by 360 million Americans, we get like seven, eight grand each, not 600 bucks. And they're fucking throwing billions of dollars overseas to these fucking funds that are just, you know, boomerangs back to their own books. Yeah, I mean, you can't forget about the Pakistani and gender yeah, stuff. And, That's and, and counting the Caribbean carp and shit. It's fucked up. But, but you're yeah. at American... It's terrifying how willing they are. Like, well, that six hundred dollars is going to help me and my family. Yeah, dude. But think about your grandkids and how this debt economy people, that we're running. People will see truth as soon as when they recognize it, but they have to be given the presentation of it. And right now, we're 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 inundated to such an extent that the the pockets of people that are free in their mind and in their heart are unable to connect and unable to um, create um, truth for people to be able to draw them to it like light because they're going to, you know, it's, it's the same for all people and everyone will be attracted to it. And so the, the, the real future, it, you know, in a broad sense is the people that understand this and understand that war is a racket need to understand that, you know, of course you can defend yourself, but using the, the traditional model of what we think of as force and diplomacy, these things are all fake concepts that are used to control you. And so you have to let go of them and you have to, you have to realize what is the actual yes. goal here in the prize. We've had all these trillions of dollars in circulation 
and there's nothing for anyone. And this is a vapid, this is a vapid black hole. And so we have to start taking our hands and our minds and how we interface with what we're stuck in. And we have to start building things that provide what is given naturally to all people and cut out the middlemen and provide it to people in a model that's not uh, kept alive by a money stream so that it's separate from the influence that is destroying this place. And then once you create that, it will attract other people and it will spread. Now, the second effect is that obviously once that becomes effective, it's going to be engaged. It's going to be, you know, like it's going to be targeted and they're going to turn everything to destroy it. And at that point, when, when that happens, when they come for you, that is when you are righteous to defend what is right. And there's nothing that anybody can say, you know, or, or defend when you are a peaceful, um, uh, in your acts and your goodwill to humanity and you build something that, necessarily counteracts and and spits in the face of tyranny and it necessitates a response from tyranny merely for existing then that is the time that you can give them both barrels but you can't you can't do it you cannot do it on the corrupt ship you can't stand on the bow of the corrupt ship and piss off of it it doesn't it doesn't work it's like it's like a false (laughs) bottom Yes, it's a setup. It's a it's it's a false flag. You're when you if you ever 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 use force, it has to be so fucking defensive in nature that you're literally just on your porch with your fucking chickens and your water, and like they're literally coming for you. And and let me speak to that. So I know a lot of carpenters and I know a lot of mechanics, and the carpenters that I know, like they've hollowed out the human work. So because you've talked about how finances mean shit. But the human that's actually banging hammers and banging nails means everything. I know carpenters and I know mechanics. And the carpenters that I know, their houses are falling apart. They work 12 hours a day doing carpentry. Beautiful fucking work. But when they come home, the last thing they want to do is work on their own house. And I know mechanics work 12 hours a day. And they get every fucking car running in the world except for their own. And to the machine. And And they're hollowed out in their effort. So instead of working for ourselves, we're working for it. And you're it's by design. Yeah. And, and and we need to fucking get to a point where we're actually working for ourselves and we need to make it so clear that hey, look, we're just over draw here a line on sand. this little draw a line you know, of twenty forty acres trying to you survive. Have to, you, you have know, to we're working be realistic on. about it. Nobody is gonna come and save you or help from the traditional model of what we think of as like a state structure or even a social structure because the social structures are all poison. So you have to anticipate that they're going like, like as an individual, you're not going to be attacked, but when you have enough individuals doing that, they will then start to compound and make projects of good work for all people, you know? So then they start to compete with public water and they start to compete with, you know, Kroger and they start to compete with all the things that are, not about profit that are mistakenly believed to be solely about profit, but that's the cover. It's, it's the mechanism of control. And when you compete with that, that is when you draw fire. And so you have to anticipate in this whole process that like, you know, you eventually, if it is successful, you will be attacked as particularly when you come together and you have to make yourself be able to, 
you know, you have to anticipate that and prepare on the full level of, of meeting the, the, the amount of force that's coming. And you can, I don't have to go into that because you can, you can imagine it, but it's more than, it's more than a rifle on your porch. And so that's, that's, you know, like that's a part of it too. And you have to be realistic because there's, there's, there's no way around it. That's the way that it's going to be. Well, can I tell you what my wet dream is? My wet dream is that Duke gets on the fucking YouTube and says, Hey, I've got 40, 50 acres out here and we got beehives and fucking apple trees and orgies and everything else. And you guys can all come out here and bring your degenerate asses. I'm not doing any orgies. And that, that to me is. It's got to be a collective. You have to have, you have to have the saturation yeah. effect first, which is starting. Like people there, are realizing that they don't want any fucking thing to do with this, whatever you want to call this shit that's going on. So people are, people are waking up when they wake up and start to, you know, like everybody's still coming off the, the dope hit. And so they're, they're, you know, blurry eyed and they're not sure exactly. Everybody's figuring out how they're going to make the transition, like how that works with money, how that works with, you know, the necessity of like having to drive around a fucking registered vehicle with a giant, you know, sign on both sides and having registered addresses. Like everybody's figuring this shit out, but it's all preliminary. So as this thing increases, people will become creative by the, you know, the mother of invention. And the, the, the things will come together. You just have to, the bottom line is if you, if you set your, your, your site for right, <laughs> if you set your site for like, taking account of what is right and what is wrong and why what is right is important. And then once you understand why it's important, if you understand clearly, you'll understand there is no other way and, and that it's, it's a necessity. And so it doesn't, failure doesn't even matter it's not a point of failure. It's a point of that. This is the way to live. And once you do that, then it becomes, you know, it becomes a non-issue in terms of uh, defense of that. As long as you're not, you know, most of the, most of the dirty stuff and, and complexities of corruption and stuff, it all is sourced to, it's sourced to money. I mean, that's, that's what it, that's what it really is. I mean, you just can't like the, the Spartans, you, you you ever heard the story about how the Spartans used like iron as money because it was so heavy and so big that you couldn't have somebody like a mass massive amounts of wealth without like stacking it up and having it be visible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and you had to be a beefcake to haul it around. The 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 fact that. Uh... That metaphor that you used is excellent, Dugan. Um, looking at finances like uh, like dope, like uh, so. As as a Leo, I'm sure you, Mister Leo, um, run into uh, issues with uh, substance abuse, likely opiates, frequently. Oh right? yeah. There's a big. Uh, there's a huge. I, I love mathematics. Math. It's great. It's just uh, like pure okay, math. So, I was, uh, I... <laughs> wait till you, wait till you keep getting called out at 2 a.m. for <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I, I have a long history with, uh, substance abuse and I was an opiate addict and heroin addict for years. How long have you been? And I've got, uh, 
over 10 hey, years. Dude, I'm very, I'm fucking proud of you. Thank you. But there's a big piece to that, which I didn't really put together until Dugan said this, which, you know, they were talking, he was saying like, you know, they're still on, on the, they're just getting off the drip. Their, their eyes are still fuzzy. They're readjusting. They're trying to figure like, what the fuck do I do? Like, when I first got clean, I, I was so, like... Hey, hey, real quick. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt. My phone's going to die, so if, if I don't say bye to you guys, I love you, know, you and uh, I Continue on. Oh, yeah, dude. And, and, and fuck, man, find the charger. But, yeah, I, I fucking love you too, man. And, and I think you're... Uh... You're more instrumental than you'll ever know, but but yeah. So sorry. Continue yeah. on. No, it's okay. I mean, basically, reprogramming myself to understand, you know, um, where where I was, where I am, and where I intend to be, and it's the same thing from like, you know, looking at like, is this a black pill or is it like this is enlightenment? Because now, like, we don't have to. We get to reprogram ourselves and and look at living our life a no, different that, way that, so um dugan please feel free to jump in before you uh before you die yeah i don't know what do you think the what do you think the hope is in terms of other ellie that you come into contact with are they are they going to be uh sooner or later recoverable So that's actually where I have bad news. Um, the amount of guys that I've run into that are willing to just march to the beat is uh, worse than you would want. But but um, but give them you know so I'm give them give them breath and hope and uh, yeah. oh, you know yeah. we'll see what happens uh, when things change. You know. Well, the thing is, is like I'm pretty constitutional. I'm pretty outspoken, and I'm kind of an I mean, guys like me. I was in the Marine Corps, so, you know, guys kind of, like, write me off as, like, oh, well, you know, that's the old Corps They have guy. no idea. He's, he's kind of out there, you know, whatever. That's that's kind of the vibe I feel. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've got my own, uh, I got my own shit going on. But, um, and, and, and on that, and, and by the way, I'm just going to say this for whoever's listening that needs to know, and if no one needs to, so there was a triple homicide in the area recently and on uh, the state police were pinging that shit to our county radios so we could find this guy. We found him. His uh, sister ended up being on the phone with him at the moment we, we trod down on him and he was saying, I don't know if I should turn myself in or shoot myself in the head. He killed three people with a 22 pistol. You wouldn't think it could be possible, but it is. And what I'm saying to whoever's listening is that his phone was off, shut off. And we pinged it regardless. And I was listening on the radio as the state police pinged it to us, and we triangulated his position. If you're going to do anything, you put your phone what, in a what I would recommend, bag and you put you it get in a, the You make fridge. a steel box. where you are, but they don't know what you're steel box, a thick steel. And you put it by the door when you come in, and when you come home, until you transition out of the cell phone. So when you come home, you just regularly put your phone in the box. Yep. Yep. Steel box, fridge, something. If if you can if you can verify that you're not getting yep. signal transfer. If you do if you do heavy uh, steel, helpful. you know, if you do like you know I'd probably
I'd do half inch steel if you got it. But if you do half inch steel and you do a box, you're gonna do a block. I for me personally, I used to know I, I used to bang around with a couple dudes that they always did a fridge, and that that, that seemed to work well enough because I I've been on both sides of that coin and. the the one side of the coin never knew the other side existed. So, uh. yeah, the microwave is also another one. That's a uh, a Faraday cage. <laughs> uh, I don't know how well it works, but uh, I've heard they work pretty well. And then if you now, hit start now, on it, you definitely don't have to worry about signal. <laughs> yeah, anymore. thank you so hey much. Guys, all, first of all, uh, thank you for having me on. Uh, Thank fuck, you. I, I, I like. I, I don't. I'd love you guys. Fuck. I mean, I, I deal with people on a daily basis that are, from one end of the spectrum to the other, and there's fucking lies like mountains. But whenever I get a hold of a like, America's a great place, man, and we're a great people. And when you get a hold of a couple of patriots, man, it's, it's fucking, it's awesome. Uh, but what I want. <laughs> Don't call me that. I don't want to go on a list. We'll turn. Uh, Don't worry. I'm the Trojan. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. But um, what what I want to what I want to say, guys, is this. So I've been listening to you know fucking Mr. Dugan for years, a couple few years, and there's lots of podcasts, man. That that I was fired up. That I was like, hell yeah, that's awesome, you know. And there's actually one you did in particular that. But we won't even go into it. We don't have the time to. But when you talked about the squares and the lines in the, between the squares and how that was God and the jewels on the crown and, and fuck, that, that, that sent me on a mm. rabbit hole. But, but the thing I want to say is there's so many times that I was fired up and that I was enlightened. But then as soon as the fucking stream ended, I'm staring at the wall and I'm like, okay, that's cool. But now what? Like, what do I actually stand up and physically fucking do? So... I guess what I'm asking is like for anybody out there listening that was like, Oh yeah, this was cool. But now what, when we shut this off and go play with our own individual dicks, what does the average listener stand up and like, let him, what do they go let do? Him do it. If he's what, got what's the next physical? Can I take this one? Yeah. Is it, do you have go dark. Do you no, have I, I, I'm, where, or was that? Yeah, a I mean, this is, I'm just saying, what do we, what's the next step? Become as independent as possible based on your current situation without being too ridiculous. I mean, if you have the means, create as close to complete not, not the survival pack. You're not doing like the, the survival pack. You're doing the like, I'm going to change my habit. Every single every single day and it takes an average of 66 days to change a habit you know so you're going to be drinking rainwater for 66 days before you you know so become as self-sustainable as possible i I eat eggs i eat eggs every day and it's weird it's weird at first but you will you will water and you will get used to it and when you eat that egg you'll know that it is god made that egg for you I have three words, egg salad sandwiches. Find yourself. Oh my God. Yes. Find yourself some, uh, some rain barrels. If you can afford to buy them, 
buy them if you can't afford them you know find uh 55 gallon drums uh ibc totes 275 gallons um you know small little steps uh to be able to move forward and if you're you know you're broke like uh most of us um offer up let go craigslist or you yeah. know go buy a business just make sure you know there wasn't petroleum based or hey, uh super harsh chemicals thing, in there uh, you can go to but, amazon because um, we're all on that amazon t uh type in rainwater collection that's what i did and it will show you shit to collect shit off your your garage roof your house roof and it will run in your gutter come down run into those 55 gallon drums that they're talking about and boom, there you've got water. Now you'll need iodine tablets or to boil it to drink it, but you have water. Also, really quickly, brush up on skills. Obviously, gun building is imperative. Teach others how to build. Lock picking skills. Um, energetics. Chemistry. Uh, fucking electronics. Like, without taking on too much, become a master of as much as you possibly can. By the way, I hate to say it bad, because like, we're all like kind of having a good good uh we just here. lost Dugan. but i hate to say something bad um oh we just lost dugan yeah oh, god but uh so i, I yeah. want to say this though so everybody's afraid of gun registration and everything like that it doesn't matter um since january 1st of last year not 2021 2020 since january 1st mm-hmm. of 2020 Every gun salesman, gun manufacturer, at least in my state, and I'm pretty sure this is going across the board. Uh, the 4473 forms? Yes, they, they have been required yeah. to track all sales and turn those over to the state police. So it doesn't matter that an ATF agent has come to your house and shot your dog and tracked all your guns. They're already registered. So yeah, uh, for all these people, because look, like the last year and a half, whatever, Everybody's gone out. Everybody and their dogs have gone out and buy a gun. Yeah, good luck with that. Um, and on that note, uh, so the reason, and this is going to sound crazy, yep. but the reason they got rid of lead paint wasn't necessarily because lead paint is harmful, okay? They have a van that they can park in front of your house, and I'm kind of a guy that would know. They have a van that they can park in the street, and they can x-ray your house, Okay. And they can tell. It doesn't matter whether you fucking found something on Etsy or Instagram or you can hide your AR-15 behind your fireplace. That's cool. They can x-ray your house and they can see where all your guns are on your walls. So if you're going to hide some shit, it's under the dirt line. Put that shit in the dirt. So Subgrade, no yep. 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 So uh, your shit's since January 1st of 2020 is already registered and your walls are in a safe place. So anyways, and that's just out there so um <laughs> fuck i could i can't think of uh i mean just just are, watch are we about to hit our time cliff yeah we're we're, yeah. we're coming up on uh wrap up time uh we got uh what okay 14 minutes left absolutely yeah so i'm looking at the last I'd say about seven months of 2020 and I'm thinking of like the, the, the time that we were going through, you know, the riots and the, it was truly a destabilization, you know, psyop. That's the way I, I look at it. And 
my question is that, you know, law enforcement would be a great deal of those military age males that are armed, that would fight back uh, part of the, let's call it resistance. Do you believe that everything that we went through, that one of the, the byproducts of that was to demoralize, to kill off, to create hate against, or, you know, to just, I guess, damage law enforcement because they'd be potentially a good portion of the people that would fight. Uh, I see exactly where you're coming from. You're light, right? Dark. Do you guys kind of sound alike? No, that's dark. It's not a racial (laughs) thing. I'm just kidding. It's because we we kiss a lot. It's it's the vocal. So I see exactly (laughs) where the fuck you're coming from, but I have to disagree. Now, there's there's a lot of merit where you're coming from, but here's here's where I come from. So in 2021, the number one currency you can have is victimhood. If you're the victim, you're the winner. Because you automatically get the moral high ground. You automatically get the moral high ground. Now, the power of the world in 2021, say back in the medieval times and the Roman times, the power came from your sword arm. But in 2021, the power comes from popular opinion. Because the power is already there, you just have to appeal to it. You don't have to flex it, you just have to find it. So it's the same way, like, and I had this conversation with my chief one time. I said, look, chief, I said, because I hide. All right, I'm, uh, this is the part where the listeners are going to hate me. When I'm running traffic, which is, you know, sometimes, I hide, okay? And I hide, and I wait for speeders to come by. And when they fly past me, I pull them over, and I write them a speeding ticket, you know, sometimes. Yeah. Now, I brought this up to my chief. I said, hey, chief. Couldn't I expose my car, clearly marked as a police vehicle? Wouldn't that deter speeding? And because here's the thing if somebody speeds by me, I got to do 100. If I'm sitting dead still at a stop and somebody goes by me doing 70, 80, for me going zero, I got to do 120 to catch them. So now, for the fact that they were doing 70 and 80, which is unsafe, now I'm doing 120, which is unsafe. And so now I'm doubling the unsafeness. And we're also catching a profit because every time we write a 164, well, I shouldn't say, but every time we write a speeding ticket, our department gets a cut of it. That's the incentive. So I'm taking an unsafe situation and making it worse, and yet we get a cutoff of it. But if I could just clearly park my car out there on the road as a deterrence, they wouldn't speed to start with. And so there's not the unsafeness of them speeding, and there's not the unsafeness of me speeding, and everybody's safer. But that's not the way it's set up. If there was no crime... There'd be no cops. One of my favorite, when I was back in the Marine Corps, one of my sergeants, he said, the government sells wolf insurance, brother. It pays to have a wolf. As long as there's terrorism, as long as there's wars, as long as there's Al-Qaeda and this, that, and the other Taliban, then they can jack up your taxes and take your 18-year-olds and have them join the Marine Corps and and get their legs blown off for a fucking Camaro, and nobody's going to look the other way. It pays to have a wolf. They're selling wolf insurance. So when you say, like, are they discrediting the police? No, they're making the police a victim. Please, the, police mm. ain't a, and the police ain't got a The police ain't a victim. They just got a fucking MRAP armored vehicle for 500 bucks from the Department <laughs> of Defense. <laughs> and, and I hate it, man. In, in my little town, so I work in three jurisdictions, two towns and a county. The only thing I carry is a sidearm and a bulletproof vest. And I'll be honest, 
one of these days I'm going to kiss my girlfriend and I'm going to walk out the front door and I'm going to never come home again. And it's not because of an AR-15. It's not because of a fucking rocket launcher. It's going to be because of a 38 special through a window tent. Because I'm yeah. going to run up on some dude trying to write him a speeding ticket. Little do I know he's got a pound of fucking Colombian Bam Bam under his seat and he just got out on a fucking parole. You know. But when, the, when I see the government coming after AR-15s because that's, oh, gun crime. AR-15s, they're dangerous. No, they're not. AR-15s are less than 1%. AR-15, falling out of bed will kill you faster. AR-15s, as a fucking police officer, AR-15s are not dangerous to police officers. Pistols are. Pistols are dangerous. But here's the thing. As a police officer, I don't fear rifles because I can see a rifle coming. If I'm walking down the street, I just dealt with a thing a week ago. Well, eh. I, I dealt with a thing a week ago where a guy had got his skull caved in with a golf club. And I'm looking around trying to figure out what's going on. It's mob activity, whatever. Yeah, I can easily see a guy with an AR-15, but it's that 38 special. It's that little nine pocket nine millimeter. That's what I'm worried about, man. Dude, and that's psychologically yeah. got to really beat you up, man. Oh, <laughs> and eighty-six uh, percent of of shootings uh, of of firearm deaths. Are done with handguns. They are, and that's what I'm saying. If they were really going for gun crime, and all the listeners need to hear this, this is coming from a cop. If they were really going for gun crime, if they were really looking out for safety and officers, they'd go after handguns, not fucking AR-15s. AR-15s are not a threat to the safety of the public or officers. They're only a threat Just to look the at Chicago. Look at Chicago alone. Uh, out in my area, and I'm in Virginia. It's a big state. I'm in Virginia. And every single unit, we are completely militarized. Every single unit has uh, there. They used to have HK USPs, but now they have Glock 2240 Cal, an AR-15 with a can, and an, an 870 in every single unit. And now they're rolling in partner units. They have MRAPs. They have every single. Um, they all wear rifle plates and soft armor. They all like just seeing an officer. They all they they rock thigh rigs. Like I mean, they look like a T two thousand rolling up on you. Like it's it's intimidating. And uh, but this used to be the wild wild west, and a lot of them are cool with with guns. You know, you get pulled over, you tell them like, hey, you know, just for us, be caring. You know, like. A lot of them are cool, but um, I think we just lost Dark. Hey, Grim, you still there? Hey, Grim, you still there? Dark's here. Hello? I think we lost Grim. All right. I guess I'm going to wrap up. Hey, Dark. Hey there. Hey, we lost you and Grim right there at the end. Um, I just thought uh, confirmation from him. Uh, I got the name of the episode. Okay, excellent. That's. Uh, I was most curious about that because this was too epic of uh, of an episode to not have uh, uh, you know, slash guest submitted name. So, what does he want to call it? So, the name 
is going to be True Blue. And True Blue. I believe it is in honor of his father. Uh, he said he knows uh, his father would know what it means. And um, so at the end of the day, you know, that that's pretty awesome. He gets to honor his father um, and pass out information and, you know, have a great chat with us, man. That was that was definitely informative. And I felt we uh, we touched on a lot of really, really uh, solid subjects there, man. I mean, um, yeah, knock my socks off. Yeah, that uh, was multifaceted that I mean, we discussed a lot that was and that's important, too, because. I have a feeling that that's not just, you know, one random law enforcement officer's opinion. I would venture to 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 guess that uh, to bet rather that a, a lot of police officers out there have similar feelings, and uh, maybe this will open up the door to other law enforcement officers being interested in coming on the program. We have a lot of great guests that are queued up to uh, come on, but I want to extend an invitation to anyone that's in any type of law enforcement, any type of, uh, whether, you know, local, state, federal, even if you're in an elected position, if you want to come on anonymously, then email us at darklightdugan at gmail.com or thedarkestmavis at gmail.com. I think that's an excellent episode name. Heck yeah. Oh, man. And good news. We got James Reeves coming on tomorrow on the YouTube live stream. That's going to that's gonna yeah. be pretty sweet also. So, uh, yeah. shoot. Anything else you have to say? I mean, close it out. Tag this on the back end of the episode and uh, call this sucker done. I think that's it, man. I mean, you nailed it. We got James Reeves from TFB TV coming on tomorrow which is what friday the 5th at 9 30 p.m eastern on the dark light dugan youtube channel we'll be doing a live stream uh we have uh matt with crs firearms that's going to be joining us jonathan pacone um potentially it's not scheduled but potentially john crump from the gun owners uh association um or I'm sorry, Gunner, Gun Owners uh, of Gun America. Owners of America. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, we have just a lot of solid guests, and it's honestly really exciting to me that we're experiencing this level of growth at this level of infancy in uh, our rough, rugged, battle royale, uncut uh, program. And uh, I'm I'm grateful for all you guys, all your time. I know all of us have families and. I appreciate all your time coming on and um, yeah, this is a very interesting perspective. Very, very cool lens to look through. Also to everybody that uh, listens. Yes, we all know we have audio issues. Uh, Certain, uh, certain platforms will give you a little bit better quality than others, oddly enough. Uh, But eventually we may start moving forward and looking at, uh, better audio equipment and finding new ways to be able to get this information out uh, on the podcast uh, on a technological standpoint. 
So uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, yeah. We do appreciate y'all. Y'all are our ambassadors. So, I mean, spread the message, spread the word. And, you know, if there's anything, shoot us an email. We'd be glad to chat. Yeah, or if you have uh, questions, call Cliff directly. At... <laughs> I'm, just <kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. All right. On that note, Dark, you have a wonderful night, brother. And a uh, big day tomorrow. All right, brother. Don't forget, stay safe, stay dangerous. <laughs> you have an excellent <laughs> evening. You too. Bye. All right, brother. Peace.